This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts. Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Another one in the books, Houdat Nation. The Saints losing Monday night football to the Ravens, and sadly, it was not even close. Steve Geller, along with Jeff Nowak, here on Inside Black and Gold. And Jeff, how are you recovering the day after that miserable outing? I'm trying to figure out how to make a car crash sound. Should I just dub it in? Just yes, definitely, right. That's how I feel. I feel like my entire experience at the Superdome was just one long car wreck that everyone walked away from, but everyone also has to pay for at the same time. It was, it was just ugly. It was ugly. And, you know, I, I obviously went on this long rant last night after the game. My opinions haven't changed, but we will have some updates. We did talk to Dennis Allen today on a conference call, got a little bit more information. Um, We have very few updates on some injured guys. We do have some updates. So we'll get into those. And we'll kind of catch up on what happened in that game. Steve was down on the sidelines to so help some good insight. You know, uh, we saw Ravens fans everywhere making paper airplanes out of the Dome Patrol posters. That's always fun. So we're going to talk about that. In the second segment, we're going to go into studs and duds. I actually have a pretty solid stud, as crazy as that sounds. But, you know, it's going to be tough to find many. So it's going to be more like like duds and duds. But we're going to go into that. And, like, who stood out the least in that game that very few people stood out in? And then the final segment, we're going to kind of reset So we're heading into week 10. There's eight games left. We're going to reset and kind of establish, okay, what do we expect from these final eight games? How many games can we reasonably, you know, notch the Saints in the win column for? Can they ever win back-to-back games ever again? You know, like, who knows? But we're going to get into that. But first, I I, want to kind of gauge, Steve, you know, what was your experience on the field? Because from the press box, it sure felt like there was a lot of Ravens fans in that building. Yeah, and I, just real quick, do you know what a flock of ravens is called? A murder. No, it's crows. Right, that's crows. Because That's why I looked it up, because I thought it was murder at first, too. I was trying to be all creative with my morning sports. No, a flock of ravens is an unkindness. 
An unkindness? Yeah, and how fitting was that for that game, right? Yeah, they were very unkind. You mentioned, and I think we talked about it obviously pregame on our first take show from Rouse, is that, you know, I wanted to see the energy again in the Superdome, what it was going to be like. And, man, early on, I thought the crowd, the, the home crowd, was really into it. But you felt, after that first touchdown, just the air gets sucked out of the Superdome. And I was quite surprised when Baltimore scored how much cheering I heard, not booing. And it was just one of those moments where I stopped and looked around and then you really noticed a lot of purple in the stands. There was a lot of purple. There really and, was. And obviously later in the game when things were filtering out for the Houdat Nation when they knew this game was over, you really it was really pronounced. And if then the and the crowd was still plentiful at that point. It wasn't like it was an empty house. Yeah, there were a lot of people in the building, but I would still gauge it was probably like 80% Ravens fans. And I don't blame Saints fans for leaving when the team puts on that type of performance. Right. Uh, I wish I yeah, you deserve early departures. And it, the the wild thing is it wasn't a blowout in the sense that, you know, the Ravens only put up 27 points, right? Like the Saints, if they were ever able to get their act together, could have got back into that game. They just weren't able to. But it's it's rare to see fans leave that early in a game where you only allow 27 points for an offense that's averaging 30, right? So yeah. like it, it was it was weird. And you heard the chant. See, I, I watched it. I didn't watch it on TV, but I know that you could hear that on the broadcast because I saw people tweeting about it and they were just doing their Ravens chant. I can't even remember what it is offhand, but it's yeah. the seven nation army though. Oh, 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 yes, that's it. Yeah. And they were doing it just nonstop. And it was the, there was no, no interference. There was like usually in your home stadium, when the opposing fans start to do that, you'll get, it'll get drowned out by like, boo, or like your own chant. Right. In this case, there was no one left to counter it. So it was literally the only thing you could hear in the stadium. How demoralizing must that be on the field for the players? When you hear the opposing team's chant in your building, like it was, there was a point where the saints were down 14 after that kind of, you know, go to hell touchdown by Juwan Johnson. And, you know, if they'd gotten a stop, you know, we saw something crazy like that against Washington a few years back where like you were down 14 and you got a stop and you scored, and then you got the ball back and he scored again. Like it's it's not impossible. It's it was never gonna happen, but it's not impossible. But like when the fans in the stands are cheering for the other team, the, you're not gonna stop that team running the ball. They're gonna run it down your throat and they're gonna win. That's what happened. Oh, it was so demoralizing. And I don't know. I, I was thinking when Jawan Johnson scored, should I pick up him him up in fantasy because he seems to be like the ultimate garbage time scoring factor on this team? We saw him do that in the Arizona game. Yeah, two touchdowns in the Arizona game. Right, yeah, as, exactly. long as, as long as you don't have a chance to win the game, he is going to star. <laughs> and hey, that's oh, the, that's the case a lot for the Saints. And if the injuries don't get better, it's no, probably right. going to be the the same case. Uh, you know, week in week out. Which you know, even if they are healthy, who knows? But Steve, can, can you kind of give us a rundown of all the injuries and you know what what you know of for these guys? Yeah, I, I will say, and I, although I think I said this one of the previous weeks when I was seeing Michael Thomas on the sideline, and I was all giddy, like, oh, it's a positive sign that he's close to coming back. And then a couple of days later, the Saints put him on injured reserve. Well, on Monday Night Football, actually saw Marshawn Lattimore on the bench, and that was the okay. first time I've seen him around the team. We haven't seen him at practice at all, but like I, I you know, you got to figure at least he's around this ball club right now, so it's a positive. But in the game, uh, the biggest loss, I thought, obviously, in linebacker Pete Werner, 
Uh, the cart ended up coming to take him back to the locker room. I suffered an ankle injury on his right foot, and that's going to be a big one for this team. Obviously, he's their leading tackler, a guy that we've talked about so much in this second season as as having made great strides. And, you know, really crazy, he didn't have much training camp, if at all, because of that groin issue and has just been a solid performer all season long for this team. Uh, another one on defense this team lost was uh, Marcus Davenport with a calf injury, the defensive end. Uh, Add in another calf injury for Eric McCoy, the team center. And then late in the game, Andrus Pete walked to the locker room under his own power, and the team never really clarified what his issue was. But, man, he's he's a guy that you always have to worry about, whether it's, you know, leg, thumb, chest, shoulder. It's always something with Andrus Pete. So interested to see the first injury report of the week heading into Steelers game. He's out with a Pete. He's out with a Pete, right. <laughs> there was also one other injury that yeah, I think you clarified for me today, which was Alante Taylor. He went down. I want to say it was the second quarter. It was midway through that long Ravens touchdown drive. You know, what was he dealing with? Yeah, it ended up just being cramps for him. And I think we saw that in the Arizona game Thursday night. I recall yeah. him coming back to the bench and just chugging like two of those small uh, Powerade, Gatorade drinks to get back on the field. But yeah, there was nothing major with him, thankfully, just cramping up in the game. And, you know, that young guy getting all those snaps now, hopefully we do see Marshawn Lattimore back to provide some more aid to that secondary who's really been hurting. Dennis, is there any uh, optimism that Marshawn Lattimore? Yeah, I think he's closer. Um, you know, we'll, we'll monitor him throughout the week. He's he's uh, um, he's picked up the intensity of his, of his workouts, you know, in terms of the rehab process. And so, um, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll get him back sooner than later. I mean, um, you know, it's a tough injury to come back from, and, and uh, he's working hard to get back. Yeah, so that's what Dennis Allen said today, and that sounds pretty positive. You know, he's picking up the intensity of his workouts, in, and whenever you hear it's more about pain than anything else, that's a that's actually a good sign because, you know, if you're be able to work through it and it is not a situation where playing with that injury will exacerbate it, then your chance to get back kind of, you know, it ticks up, right? So that's a good sign. Hopefully we see him out on the practice field. It doesn't sound like the Saints are actually going to practice on Wednesday, which is, you know, a surprise to me. I expected them to because they don't practice on Tuesdays typically, or at least they won't have open practice availability. I don't know what they'll be doing. But, yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like. And that so wouldn't get into too much detail, though, with the Lattimore injury. No, no. And, I mean, I think, I think DA is trying to pull back a little bit on the amount of injury information he gives out because, and I, and I don't blame him because it, it gets weaponized against him when it ends up being incorrect. And a lot of times you're just guessing, you don't know. He's not right. a doctor, right? He's walking, he's not walking around with an MRI machine. Right. And I think he would have rather just shut down all these constant Mike Thomas questions, timeline questions, because then what happens? Oh, the doctors say, well, actually we did an MRI and this happened and it looks like this and he's going to have to get shut down. And then DA is the one who has to come out and, and, and look like an, an idiot because what he said on Monday versus what, what the reality was on Thursday. And that's kind of how he addressed the Pete Werner injury today. We don't know how significant that ankle injury was because he wouldn't tell us. He wouldn't give us a timetable or anything. So we're going to have to kind of see. And the significance of not practicing on Wednesday is we won't get an actual injury report for that game. You're only going to get the kind of the estimated injury report, which is kind of how they handle Thursday night football, if you recall that. 
So it'll be one to watch though, because it's still gonna it's still supposed to be a factual accounting of who would have participated. So we're gonna get a lot of information one way or the other. There was a moment on Monday Night Football too, where I know everybody held their collective breasts that were Saints fans when Alvin Kamara seemed to limp off, but he only missed a play and came right back in. And I don't know if it was you know, a small ankle issue or whatever, but that's the one definitely I'll be keeping an eye on. We'll be keeping an eye on when that injury report comes out, obviously, because I don't know if he's try- he, he tried to play through something or if it was really nothing. Yeah, I mean, he was minimally involved. Yeah. I don't know if that's more to do with the, the situation, right? You're coming back in the second half. Taysom Hill was also minimally involved, right? You you didn't get a lot of plays, right? No, you, I think the all. Ravens ran 20 more plays than you did. They had the ball for nearly 20 more minutes than you did. So it was just, you know, the offense didn't extend drives and you lose the ability to get guys the ball. You don't get the touches. And then for whatever reason, Dwayne Washington was the hero of this game in Pete Carmichael's mind. I don't, I, I like Dwayne Washington. I really do. I think he works hard and he's a good special teamer, but I it, it 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 pains me to have to try to figure out why on second and seven in the red zone you are running a Taysom Hill Dwayne Washington zone read right either put it in Taysom's hands or get Taysom off the field in that in that situation you don't want to be in third and long because they crashed on Taysom which they're going to do because they want Dwayne Washington to end up with the ball right. Like, if you are a defender in that situation, who are you going to, right? So you are effectively guaranteeing Dwayne Washington gets the ball just by having him in that combination. It's either got to be Taysom and AK or a designed run to Taysom, or you don't call it. Anyway, it doesn't bother me. They elevated Jordan Howard. He got, I think, like one snap on offense. He did not get a touch. I just, like, the play calling in that game, I, I, I went on this long rant last night. I don't need to do it again, but the play calling in that game was brutal. It was not helped by the fact that the offensive line was trash. Right. You know, we we gave all the, the offensive line so much shine over the last couple of weeks. The bottom six rated players per PFF, five of them were, and, and this is the order, Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Calvin Throckmorton, Ryan Ramchek. <laughs> Those were five of the bottom six graded players for the Saints. Bizarrely, James Hurst was the second highest graded player in that game. So okay. the guy, it's nothing in this season makes sense, right? Nothing right. makes sense. And that is just another good example of it. Like the guy you went into this season worried about was the only one who actually held his own as an offensive lineman in that game. Uh, and and I, you know, and I do want to give credit to Cesar Ruiz. He struggled. He played a majority of that second half at center. Yeah. What are you going to do? I think, that was also part of the reason, you know, Andy Dalton didn't just get hit in that game. Andy Dalton got blown up in that game. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Dalton's on the injury report tomorrow based on some of those hits he took. No, you mentioned, you know, we talked about injuries, and he took a good shot to his back yeah. where he came back to the bench, and they definitely, you know, were icing him down and checking him out, was doing a little throwing even to try and stay loose and, and check out, you know, if it was affecting him at all. But, yeah, you're exactly right. I would not be surprised. If Dolan shows up on there, I will say, you know, at least two uh, you've mentioned before with Chris Olave, man, a- another decent performance for him. You mentioned all the time. It's like the guy's always open and that that even seemed open. the case yesterday on a Monday night. He's always open. All right. So we're going to close this out shortly. But first, I did want to draw attention to two things. One, last night I kind of went into D.A. kind of coming out and say, oh, yeah, I chatted with Mickey Loomis right before I came out here. And we talked about the run defense and. You know, based on what, you know, Nick Underhill from New Orleans.Football, 
he reported that, you know, this is a normal thing. Dennis Allen meets with Mickey after every game. Sean Payton did the same thing. So it's not necessarily a smoking gun that anything is like. He wasn't saying get your uh, behind the scenes. Right. Your desk ready. But at the same time, I'm sure that conversation isn't isn't good. I'm sure it's not a happy conversation when it happens after a game like that. So who knows? Um, but that's that is some valuable context. The next one, and I and I was going in on this on Twitter a little bit today. Tyron Matthew kind of pointed out that on third downs, there were instances where in like third and six, third and seven, third and eight, they weren't able to get lined up correctly. And this is exactly what he what he had to say. Coming into the game, we felt like, you know, if we were able to kind of get them in third and six or longer, then it would kind of work out into our, you know, favor. Um you know, I felt like early on in the game, we just didn't play tight enough in coverage. Um, then a couple of those third downs, um, you know, we just couldn't get lined up. You know what I mean? So I kind of just gave them, you know, a first down. Uh, so you know, I think anytime you let those guys extend drives, um, they usually end up with some kind of points. Yeah, and I mean, the 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 issue I had was not that he what he said was not an issue. It was that someone pointed out that they was like, oh, Tyron Matthews still doesn't know where he's supposed to go. And that's on the coaching. And, you know, like that's not necessarily true. What he said there was they weren't able to get lined up. So, you know, if if he's the one who's aware of that, that means that he did know where he was supposed to go and it was other people messing up. So it's like, who knows? It's tough to assign blame in that situation, but not knowing what you're supposed to do and not being able to execute what you're supposed to do, are, they're two different things, right? And so I asked Dennis about that. Uh, yeah, one of the things Tyron said after the game was there was a few third down situations where there was some confusion and, you know, guys didn't get lined up quite correctly. Did you, were you able to figure out the culprit for that, you know, in those instances? Yeah, well, you know, we had, a, we had, we had, one, we had one call um, where, uh, you know, we wanted the corners to stay and, and, and uh, uh, Alante went over. Uh, caused a little bit of confusion. Uh, that was one third down in the game. Uh, I didn't re- really didn't feel like there was anything else in terms of confusion uh, in, in in being able to get lined up. Um, you know, last night, you know, you know, we talked a lot about third down being a big factor in the game, and 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 really, uh, you know, they had nine conversions on third down, six of which were third and one to two. So. Uh, just our ability to get guys into longer yardage situations. The two, the you know, the two uh, plays that hurt. I think they had two third and seven, third and eight conversions. Uh, those are the ones that we really needed to eliminate. Yeah, so he threw a lot under the bus a little bit there. <laughs> um, but you know that, that makes sense. It's a rookie still kind of figuring it out. And I think there are a lot of instances like that throughout a game where you might not even notice them, and someone slightly messes up an assignment. It stands out when you're in third and eight deep in Baltimore territory, which was the case early on in that 12 play touchdown drive that put them up 14 to nothing. If you remember, they had a sec, they had a snap on second and 15. Lamar Jackson was surrounded by four saints defenders and he's fine. Someone finds a way to get it to Mike Davis, turns it into third and eight. And then third and eight, I can't remember who it was. The tight end came across the middle wide open on a cost. That was one of those plays where Tyron Matthew kind of had his arms out. Like what's going on here. And he just, you know, was by himself for that first down conversion. And then that drive ends up being a seven minute drive that honestly, I think took all of the momentum, energy juice out of the defense and they just had nothing the rest of the game. No, I would, I would agree. And there, there wasn't much juice anyway. It seemed in these boys, 
uh, in this game. I, like I said, after that first touchdown, it really felt like things swayed dramatically uh, on the field and in the Superdome in general. But yeah, I was wondering, you know, I, I didn't, I couldn't tell a lot of the blame of where to go, but to me, I didn't feel like Marcus May had a very good game either for this team. But I, there, there's a lot of players, you know, uh, I think Dennis Allen said, you, there's a lot of blame going around in this game. Yeah, a lot of dirty hands, I think is how he put it. Right. A bad day at the office for Andy Dalton is how he put it, which <laughs> he needs to he needs to get better at how he phrases things when Andy Dalton is not doing well. Because I'm kind of getting tired of every time he struggles, like uh, it's not an well. issue. Like, why is he getting a pass? struggling when he struggles I don't understand it but like we can admit that he was not good in that game uh anyway it's it's getting tiring I I thought there was going to be a point where it was like all right we're going to at least go with Taysom at quarterback because of how bad Dalton was doing I don't blame him for keeping him in the game I don't think changing quarterbacks over and over again is a good move when you're trying to just figure it out but like we can all acknowledge that Andy didn't play well like, you don't have to give me another a bad day at the office. That's just – it makes it yeah. sound like you are not holding him accountable. And that's not a good look. Well, like what you're saying there, that's why I figured I wouldn't put Jameis in, but I did think that at least give a drive to Taysom under center to see how it would go. Yeah, I'd like to see Taysom get involved in some right. way. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was, it was just ugly. It was ugly. But, yeah, so one last thing before we go. If anyone – understands what the hell Justin Tucker is talking about. I need you to to tweet at me and tell me. Justin Tucker, you know, (laughs) you're a man of the people. Um, but Marlon, last time you had me on here, you, I got I got myself into a little trouble. All right? you, you get below, man. Now you're gonna have me mess around and say something silly like racks on racks, smoking on that Saints pack. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get myself in trouble again. So I'm, I'm smoking on that Saints pack. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I, I even tweeted out. I'm like, can anyone tell me what this means? And a lot of folks were just like, oh, he's just, you know, rolling, you know, trolling the Saints because the Ravens smoked, you know, smoked the black and gold in their building. And I'm like, I I guess that's the explanation. But yeah, his his little rhyme made no Not sense. Not a good rhyme. <laughs> racks like, on racks. Well, like. Or was it rats? I think he said racks on racks. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. We'll get Justin Tucker on the program to explain it. Hopefully, yeah. That, that's that's next next week. We'll have Justin Tucker in here to begin his 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 budding freestyle rap career. That's what we'll have. I mean, maybe he's trying to get that swag that uh, what's his name, uh, the Minnesota quarterback Kirk Cousins was uh, showing off in the, in their plane flight. Now, I even saw Adam Schefter on the field shirtless on Monday Night Football copying Kirk Cousins. So, white boy dads trying to be uh, gangsters. I think now. Yeah, it's it's uh, the NFL. It's is drunk right now. I think <laughs> that's how it feels for sure. <laughs> Let's wrap this segment up. We're gonna come back and go through the duds and the duds and more duds and even even duds after that because there's you can basically just go down the roster and name them. This is Inside Black and Gold. Hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and stick around.